You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website at TicketKing.com. Again, that's TheTicketKing.com. Let's talk in pack. With the remainder of the regular season, essentially one big winner-go-home scenario, the Green Bay Packers decided they weren't going to screw around Monday night. No, they were going to put the game in the hands of their dynamic backfield and let Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon do the rest. And, as a result, the Packers get to play meaningful football for at least another week. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I am your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's The Lights Are Not Out Yet. 24-12 win over the Los Angeles Rams at Lambeau Field, a game played before the nation on ESPN's Monday Night Football. That's right, our old pals Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call. It's kind of weird seeing them do a Packers game again, right? Since it's obviously been a while with those two moving to their new digs over at the Worldwide Leader. Couple of irritating moments Monday night, but I found myself not hating the experience as much as I used to. For whatever reason, I don't know how your experiences were watching the game and listening to them. Uh, well, you know, to be honest, I never really disliked Joe Buck that much. That was more for comedic effect. That was kind of something I just would play up. I'd play up on Twitter and on the pod a little bit. Um, but Aikman, <laughs> now that was real. My dislike for Troy Aikman has always been real. That hasn't changed. Um, I did enjoy seeing him in the pregame. He was obviously already cold and miserable. I gotta say... That made me smile. With the win, speaking of things that make me smile, nice transition, Chris, B+. The Packers improved to 6-8 on the season, keeping their very, very, I want to stress very, slim playoff hopes alive. Whether or not you should want to see this team in the playoffs, well, we'll get to that later on. They remain in third place in the NFC North, miles behind the Minnesota Vikings, who won the North on Saturday with their come-from-behind win. You know what? You saw it. I I don't want to... Let's not rehash it. That sucked, right? That that game sucked. Let's not even talk about that. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Um, The Packers are also a game plus the tiebreaker behind the white-hot Detroit Lions. There's a phrase I never thought I'd say on the show, the white-hot Detroit Lions. But they are, you know. Uh, the Lions are now 7-7 seven and seven after their last-minute road win over the New York Jets on Sunday. And the Chicago Bears have basically <laughs> locked up last place in the North after losing to the Philadelphia Eagles also on Sunday. And I just want to say quick, that this is probably going to be the last time this year I do NFC North stuff, right? Because the focus now is on the playoff race. 
for however long that lasts for the Packers. It's not the division so much because, again, the Vikings clinched that Saturday. So I don't want to talk too much more about the North. Again, I might not do that anymore this season. Let's talk about where the Packers are right now. These are your up-to-the-minute playoff standings, where they are in the NFC. They are currently, where are they currently ranked as, well, my Yahoo app has them as the sixth team in the wild card race. Uh, behind, I, I mentioned Detroit, Seattle, also 7-7. Seven and seven. Those are the two teams directly ahead of them that are not in the playoffs as of now. Uh, those three teams, the Packers, Detroit, Seattle, are all chasing the Washington Commanders, who lost to the Giants on Sunday night. So they're now 7-6-1, and one, so the Packers are... See, ties always fuck me up on this. I hate when there's ties. Ties are immoral. They're a game behind Washington in the win column, two behind them in the loss column, and then the ties. So I don't know, is that, are they, what is it, two and a half? Is that 2.75? I don't know what that is. But that's where they are. That's the team they're chasing right now is Washington. That's the main team. Of course, obviously Detroit and Seattle right above them. Um, so, yeah, that's where they are now. And I'll follow, that'll be, again, the main focus on the show for the rest of the way. Before we get into the fun, God, I hope you're having fun already. You just heard me stumble through trying to explain where the Packers are in the playoff standings. Hang on, folks. I don't really have a script here for this because it was a night game. So hang on to your butts. It's going to be a wild ride. I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, Lemps, MKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. The email, oldbagadonuts, olbagofdonuts at gmail.com. Again, you don't have to wait till after the game to write in. You can drop me a line during the week and let me know what you think of the show, where you're listening from, your thoughts on the team, anything. I'd love to hear it. Um, and I just created an Instagram account last week because I'm kind of getting fed up with Twitter. So if you're on Instagram, just search for Lemp's Talk and Pack or my name, Chris Lempesis, and look for that... Goddamn green donut avatar that everybody loves so much. And that's where you can find me. Uh, for anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. I don't even know what I'm going to do on Instagram, by the way. I just got, I'm so fed up with Twitter, I just was like, well, I'm starting one. I don't know what I'm going to do, post pictures of my Packer room? I guess I could do that. I don't really know. I have some goofy stuff in the Packer room, and some cool stuff too. Maybe I'll just take pictures of that. I have no idea. Anyways, I digress. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars. Me like you those the most. Four stars are good, too. Maybe a comment, especially if it's positive. It's the holidays. Come on. Don't be a dick. Leave a positive comment. I would love to hear it. I'd love to read it. You can find us on Spotify by searching for Packers Talk and looking for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. I'm sure Vince was very pleased with what he saw tonight. And if you're, subscri- if you're already a subscriber on Spotify, which, again, you should be, you can leave a rating, look at the top. There's that box with the star. Click on it. One through five, five stars. Me like you those the most. Come on, again, it's the holidays. Huh? What do you say? We're on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us there as well. And if you listen on a platform I don't mention, let me know. I'd love to hear it. And, again, just subscribe. Again, I'm just going to guilt you because it's the holidays. Just subscribe. Mash down on that subscribe button. It costs you nothing. Then we deliver the shows right to your phone. They're there. You don't have to search for them. Sounds good, right? I think so. And a special shout out to our wonderful sponsor, Ticket King, 
For all your Packers ticket needs, and there are still two home games left this season, head to theticketking.com. Once again, theticketking.com. They'll take care of you. Okay, now that we done got all that out the way, let's go. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about this Packers. A chilly night at Lambeau Field. That's why you say it that way. You got to go like, as you say it. And while the weather outside was frightful, the performances of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon were so delightful. Hey, I couldn't resist. And that's where I want to start tonight. The Packers really made an effort to run the offense through those two. And, as has been the case most of the season when Green Bay does that, the offense looked really strong. Hey, what do you know? Run the offense through your two most trusted playmakers in the backfield, your two dynamic running backs. Good things will happen. They did Monday night. I mean, when I say they ran it through those two, they really ran it through those two. How much so, you might be asking? Well, at one point, this is late in the third, after the swing pass touchdown from Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Jones, the Packers had, at that point, they had completed 18 passes and run 20 run... <laughs> I got jumbled in my mouth. They uh, had completed 18 passes and ran the ball 21 times. And of those 39 plays, at that point, late in the third, very late in the third, 28 of them went to Jones and Dillon. 28 of the 39. And Green Bay's offense responded with 24 points through three quarters and looked good. And as I said on Twitter, I'm sure that's a coincidence, right? That's got to be a coincidence. Yeah, that's sarcasm. I hope you're picking it up. (laughs) Um Really good night for those two. Uh, Aaron Jones finishes with 17 carries for 90 yards, four grabs for 36 yards, so 21 touches for 126 yards, and a score. He also lost a fumble. And A.J. Dillon ran the ball 11 times for 36 yards, and two scores also caught three balls for 35 yards. So 14 touches for... 71 yards and two scores for Jonesy. So what is that? (laughs) My math. I'm terrible at math. That's 91. What is that? 90. So 126 all-purpose yards for Jonesy and 71. So it was 126. It was 197 yards from those two on 28, 35 touches. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Pretty good, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, Dylan's night was sadly cut short, of course, as he left early in the fourth as he was evaluated for a concussion. Hopefully he's okay. But great stuff from those two, you know? I said it in the preseason. I said it early. I mean, I've said it all season if you've been listening to the show. That is the template for this year's offense. It should run through those two guys. And it feels like whenever the Packers have struggled offensively, it's because they've gotten away from that. And when they've had success... So when they've leaned on that, they leaned on it tonight, and they look really good. You know, it's good performance. This isn't rocket science. <laughs> Football. Uh, another offensive duel that I want to talk about, the rookie wide receiver pair of Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. I still want to say Dobbs, because it just fits better for my show. Dubs, Dub, I'm talking Dubs, but it's Romeo Dobbs. 
Really nice night from those two. Watson finishing with four catches for 46 yards. Dobbs, the team-high five grabs for a team-high 55 yards. So nice stuff from those two. Um, Watson was only targeted one time in the first half, which I didn't like. Obviously, that picked up in the second half, which was great to see. And Dobbs, I just love seeing Dobbs. He created so much separation over and over again from whatever DB he was facing. I love seeing that. Like, he really is showing a knack for getting open, which is nice because he missed so much time, too, with the ankle injury. Nice to see him jump right back in and kind of pick up where he left off. Yeah, great stuff from those guys. Um, To me, this game, Monday night against the Rams, it really felt like the changing of the guard at wide receiver. And by that, I mean now it's those two guys as the top two receivers. It's Watson and Dobbs now, right? Earlier in the day, Monday, they released Sammy Watkins. Al Nazard was only targeted twice, not at all after the miscommunication with Rodgers that led to the interception. At least I don't think he was. Um, you know, you can kind of see it happening, right? You can see Watson and Dobbs kind of moving to the forefront, which is, I, which is, I think that's what we were hoping for, right? I said early, I said back in the preseason, your goal with this offense was early I preseason. I know I said it early in the season too. I think it was after the Chicago game that you're hoping your your hope for this offense was that by the time we got to Thanksgiving and into December and as we neared Christmas, that you know those young guys would start to kind of lead the way. That Watson and Dobbs would kind of start to to move to the forefront, and that's exactly what's happening now. That's fantastic. That bodes well, obviously, for the rest of this season. But for the future, I mean, it bodes incredibly well. You love that. Um, Randall Cobb's still a factor. And with his connection with Rodgers, that isn't likely to change. Cobb's always going to be getting the ball as long as he's on, as long as he's on the team. He's Rodgers' bestie, you know. Because <laughs> uh, Cobb finished, what did Cobb end up with tonight? Three grabs for 32 yards? I mean, yeah, it's all night. Um, but you can see it again. You can see it moving towards those two. That's great. That's really great. I can't stress how great that is. I uh, thought Rodgers was very efficient and smart with the ball, smart with his decisions, other than the pick, which, again, I don't know how much of that was on him and how much of that was on Lazard. Um, Rodgers finishing 22 of 30, 229 yards, one touchdown, one pick, 7.6 yards per attempt. That's a good night. Solid night from 12. Uh, the offensive line, now, there were some bad runs. And Rodgers was sacked three times and hit five times. You don't like to see that ever. But I actually thought it was kind of a, a, a sneaky, strong showing from that group. You know, I, I like how they're coming together. Said on Twitter over the last, you know, month or so, five weeks, the offensive line feels like it's starting to gel, right? Uh, seemed like Zach Tom held up fine at left tackle. Uh, Yash, I, now I like Yash. I'm a big Yash guy. I do have some... I don't know if I'd say concerns, but I am. I do kind of wonder if right tackle is his spot. I wonder if he's not more at home on the left side. Because he did some nice work in the ground game tonight, but I felt like he was shaky in pass protection, which is not great. But overall, I thought it was, you know, a solid showing. Elton Jenkins feels like he really is just rounding into form, continues to get better and better the further he gets away from that knee injury. The more we get into the season, it's going to be a tough decision on him. Because, you know, I, if you had asked me six weeks ago on Elton Jenkins, I would have said, well, 
you know, they can't pay this guy. You know, he hasn't held up well. Because he hadn't at that point in the season. It was like, you can't afford another Bakhtiari situation. Um, thought maybe he'd have to sign a one-year prove-it deal. That's all gone out the window. I don't know where they're going to find the money. They may have to dig in, like, the cushions and Mark Murphy's couch in his office or something. I don't know. But they're going to have to find the money to pay Alton Jenkins because he has been fantastic. Love where he's at. Um, and obviously the Packers' pass rush made it tough on the Rams' offensive line. Transitions on point, Chris. Sacking Baker Mayfield five times and hitting him nine times in all. How many times? Nine times. And, and really, you know, it was, it was, it was a spread-out effort. Uh, let's go through the list here. Preston Smith had two sacks, thought he was fantastic all night long. Um, Quay Walker had a sack that he forced a fumble on, too. Uh, he's, he looks he just looks great. He really, there's he's big time. You can see it with Walker, you know. I You know, he's had some rookie moments, some blunders, some boners, but the talent is just so obvious. He's big time. Yeah. I don't see any way he doesn't become a big time player eventually. Yeah, and I think even I think I'd even say sooner rather than much sooner rather than later with him. Yeah, it's gonna happen. You can just see it. Uh, Kingsley and Igbari had a sack. You can't buy any Kingsley and Igbari stock. I have it all. Uh, I I really like that pick when they made it, and he's just continued to get better and better as the season goes on. That was a real steal for them in the middle part of the draft. He's gonna be a real player. Love the way he's developing. And then Justin Hollins, who they uh, picked up, I think he was way by the Rams. So. Came back to bite the Rams on that. He had a half a sack. And then uh, Devontae Wyatt, the rookie first-rounder from Georgia, had a sack. Wyatt, he needs to play. Okay? He had that one series in the second half. He was in on the first two plays. He made a great play on a run stop. And then he got after Mayfield and I think forced an incomplete. Like, the kid just makes plays. Wyatt needs more snaps. Yes. I will definitely, I yes, that needs to happen. You know, so I thought, you know, I thought that those guys all played well. Kenny Clark didn't have a sack, but man, he was a beast in this one. That's the Kenny Clark we know and love, folks. He was missing. I said for a while you could put him on a milk carton. He had been gone. He had been vacant for so long. Kenny is back. Man, he was making plays in the run game. He was getting after Mayfield. He even forced his one interception by hitting him and turning the throw into a wounded duck that was easily picked off by Roswell Douglas. Now, what Douglas did after that with the lateral, I don't know what that was. <laughs> But picking the ball off was good. Easy pick, but he made it. Uh, so great stuff, you know. And Kenny, if this team is going to make any kind of real playoff push, it's going to be Kenny and Preston. They're going to have to lead the way. Absolutely. With Gary out. You know, because I like the way Enigbari is developing, and I like the way Walker's developing, and why not? But for this pass rush to be, it's going to have, it's to be, have any kind of consistency, it's got to be Kenny, and it's got to be Preston leading the way. And they did tonight, and that was fantastic. Um, now, the run defense wasn't great. Cam Akers finished with 65 yards on 12 carries, so it was a 5.4 yards a clip. That's not good. Um, I think at this point we may, just ha- we may just have to accept that that's the case. I don't know. Because tonight felt like a night where they'd have some success against the run. You know, the Rams' offensive line's beat up. They lost another lineman early in the game, but, you know, Akers still turned in a strong performance. They still They still... Blocked the run well, blocked it up well, so we may just have to live with the run defense. I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know how to fix it at this point. But yeah, 
Overall, good night from the defense against an obviously extremely depleted Rams offense. You got to mention that in fairness. You know, no Stafford, no Cooper Cup. Um, but hey, all you can do is play the guy across from you, right? So, and they did. They played well. And oh my God, how have I made it this far into the show? Almost 20 minutes. How have I gone this far into the show without talking about Kayshawn Nixon? Oh my Lord, Kayshawn, we got a returner, folks. The Green Bay Packers have an honest-to-God returner. Three kick returns for 95 yards, including a 52-yard beauty. Late in the, was that in the second half, late in the third quarter. Uh, two punt returns for 36 yards, 19-yarder and 17-yarder. I thought both his punt returns were good. They have an honest-to-God returner. You know? The three big returns I talked about. And then he would have had one more had it not been wiped out by a weak sauce. Weak ass. Soft-ass holding call on Jonathan Garvin. That pissed me off. I want to talk about that real quick. Why, if you're going to call holds like that on kick returns, why are kick returns even a thing? Like, I feel like the league is trying to kind of get rid of returns anyways. And, like, if that's the case, if you're going to call holds like that, just get rid of kick returns. You know, because that was terrible. That wiped out a big return. That was a, that was big for the Packers. That sucked. Um... Now, having said that, I hope they don't wipe out returns because, like I said, we got one. We got a returner now. <laughs> don't wipe out returns now that we got a guy. <laughs> For God's sakes. Uh, I said this, I think it was a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, whatever it was. Nixon's only 25, and he's on. He's just on a one-year deal. The Packers need to stop screwing around and lock him up. They need to get an extension done with him before the end of the season. He's the best returner they've had since... God, Alan Rossum? Do I have to go that... Am I, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Is Alan Rossum? Has there been someone in between Rossum and Nixon? Maybe there has. I can't think of it right now. I can't think of the person right now. But it's been a while. I know that. And he's an extra weapon. So, Brian, please do not screw this up. Goop, do not screw this up. Get this kid locked up. Now, one of his returns, the big kick return that came near the end of the third quarter, touched on that a minute ago. The Packers offense totally wasted that. Ended up punting. Then they picked Mayfield off on the next drive, the aforementioned Douglas pick. And again, in Rams territory, they totally wasted as Jones is stripped by Jalen Ramsey. Fumbles, and Ramsey also recovers a fumble. So those, I mean, yes, they won. And I'll, look, I'm never going to shit on a win too much. I don't want to be that guy. But the Packers, let's be real, they should have won by way more than 12. <laughs> they flat out wasted those opportunities. And then the Rodgers pick in the first half wiped out another one. So, they should have won by way, 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 way more than 12 points. That's what I meant earlier when I said, are we sure we want to see this team in the playoffs? Because, <laughs> you know what I mean, moments like those, wasting big returns, wasting turnovers, turning the ball over in opposing territory, those are the things that make me think this team, ah, I wish there was a nice way to say this, but it makes me think this team would get annihilated in the playoffs if they make it. Yeah. When you see those moments and you're like, uh, why are we only up 12? Right or what was it at the half ten ten six? Why are we only up four on these guys at the half? Those definitely don't inspire confidence. <laughs> those moments and then the run defense, yeah, that too. Um, but again, they won, so I don't want to focus too much on the negative. Again, I don't want to be one of those guys. You know the guys I'm talking about. So yeah, overall, a good time was had by all at Lambeau on Monday night, which of course you love to see. So that's my kind of first part of the show. Let's go to the bags now, the Twitter bag, the email bag, all the bags, the Facebook bag. 
all of that. I got a gene question that's, as usual, epic. So let's get to all these right now. Let's start with Twitter. These are in no particular order. First one comes from Matilla the Hun at Matilla D. Hun. Now, I've talked about Matilla on the show. You know I love Matilla. He is, I, as I've said, maybe the world's most positive Packer fan. So I say that to set this up. Matilla writes, I know I'm usually the optimist, but these wins don't give me hope. We're just prolonging the inevitable, unfortunately. This offense can maybe keep up with Miami and or Mini, but this defense is a liability. Talents there, scheme slash execution is not. Hill slash Waddle are going to feast. But to be an optimist, he brings it back. Clark's coming back along. Wyatt's flashing. Enigbari is clearly a stud. Walker's a dude. Ford's two legs up over Savage, and Dylan's starting to look like his old self. Watson and Dobbs are wide receiver one and two, set in stone, aside from cap, future's bright. So see, Matilla comes in with the negative, but then he brings it back to the positive. So good stuff. All right, lots to unpack here. Let's get into it. Um, Yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean, you know, the Bears are pretty clearly trying to lose. And then a Rams team that, like I said a little while ago, is so clearly depleted. I mean, no Stafford, no Cup. No Donald, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, the Packers, you know, they're beating teams they're supposed to beat. But I could see why that wouldn't give you hope either. It doesn't give me a ton of hope. You know, I just said a minute ago, I, I feel like if this team gets in the playoffs, they'll probably get crushed. So, I understand what you're saying there. Um, and I agree. I think the offense. I think the offense will be able to keep up with Miami and Minnesota, but the defense is going to be a problem. You know. They gave up so they gave up too, too many. The third and long thing is still an issue. The third and long thing feels like it's been an issue with the Packers going back to like Dom Capers, Ed Donatel, <laughs> back in the first part of the century. You know, Bullet Bob Slowick. <laughs> third and longs have just always been an issue with this defense. Like it feels like the entire century they've been that. That's been an issue. And it was again tonight. You know, third and thirteen, you should have some confidence. I have none, and I know I'm not alone in that. So that's a big problem. I agree with you. Um, at one point, they had Campbell lined up on a wide receiver. That feel, Atwell, that feels like not a great matchup. <laughs> Shades of Preston Smith lining up at cornerback. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, definitely very concerned about the speed of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. No question about it. Uh, but, yeah, all your points, your optimistic points, right, and I touched on all those, you know. You're right, Kenny Clark, has he's reappeared. That's great. Wyatt, yup, Yannick Barry, I talked about all those guys, right? Ford, I mean, he had the one idiotic penalty out of bounds, but I do think he's overall a solid safety. Um, Yeah, there's a lot to like. I mean, as far as the future of this team, I agree with you on that. I think I said it a couple weeks ago that, you know, this season hasn't gone well, obviously, but th- th- there's good bones there. You know, so for anybody who's like, oh, they got to blow this thing up. No, 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 no. There's th- There's a good structure here. They need to do more work, a lot of work in some areas. But again, there's good bones there. You ever bought a house? You ever hear the, the appraiser go, the house has good bones. <laughs> That's what you want to hear. The Packers have that. So thank you, Matilla. Our next one comes from my former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host, one of my bestest friends in the world, Adam Summers. You can find him on Twitter, brewcrewer at asummers underscore time. Adam writes, this rookie class is definitely turning into a hell of a haul for Goody. 
I feel like it is getting overshadowed with all the QB and coaching drama. Uh, yeah, I agree. This is really turning into an outstanding rookie class. And it came at a time when Goot really kind of needed to hit a home run in the draft. You know, he's had some moments. Ja, Gary, Jenkins. But, yeah, his, you know, his first few drafts have had, you know, their share of a, a lot of, you know, more than their share of underwhelming moments as well. So it did, it felt like, you know, he really needed to hit a home run with this draft. And, God, it really feels like he has, doesn't it? I mean, Walker, again, I think it's only a matter of time before he becomes a big-time star. Yeah, I think that's coming. So start there. Wyatt is starting to look better the more he's getting onto the field. Hopefully they continue to increase his workload, give him more snaps. He needs that. Um, Watson, you know, you go down the list. Watson, um, now the Ryan pick, <laughs> Sean Ryan, <laughs> that has not worked out so well. I don't know if I've talked about this on the show. How did Sean Ryan get busted for performance-enhancing drugs when he hasn't even made it onto the field? Was he taking the opposite of performance-enhancing drugs? <laughs> what drugs was he taking? Because the guy's been in a healthy scratch almost every week. And by all accounts, had just an abysmal training camp. That's how you know... Quick, That's how you know the third round, there's some sort of weird, funky curse going on with the Packers and third-round picks. Because Goot, you know, he stumbled on guys like Sternberger, for example, and they got rid of Amari Rogers. I think they did too soon, but... I digress. I've talked about that. Um, this year, Goot gets to the third round and goes, I'm not screwing around. My money spot is offensive line. Because it has been for Goot. My money spot is offensive line. I'm taking an offensive lineman. That's the spot I, I know well. That's the spot I know best. I'm taking it in the third round. We're breaking this curse. You can see him saying that. And he did, and it still hasn't worked out, Ryan, so far. It looks like, I mean, too soon to call a guy a bust. But he's he's trending that way, let's say. So the third round hasn't been great. But yeah, you go down the line after that. Zach Tom and Dobbs and Enig Barre. I mean, these are all guys who look like they're going to be players. This could end up being a major, like, future-altering draft for the Packers. It's heading that way. So, for all the people who are like, Goot needs to be fired, just keep that in mind. <laughs> look at the draft he had this year and look at the way all these guys are trending in their first year. You know, um, yeah, I do think it's been kind of overshadowed, although I think it's moving. I think people are talking about it more and more now because those guys are all producing more and more. I feel like Buck and Aikman talked about it on the broadcast. He's not gonna, and Barre, he had the, the sack, but he almost had a pick, too. He beautifully that play where he almost picked off Mayfield. He was rushing. He broke off his rush and dipped back to cover the tight end. And almost picked that off. Like, what a what a what a steal he was. Really, all those middle mid round guys again: Dobbs, Tom, Enigbari, all heists. Yeah, great stuff. Shades of Ron Wolf for Goot with that, with his ability to snag a bunch of mid round guys, and Ted too. So yeah, thank you for that, Adam. Our next one comes from Justin A. Cornwell or Justin Cornwell, longtime friend of the show, going back to the Podbean days. Thank you, Justin. You can find him on Twitter at Justin A. Cornwell. There we go. Justin writes, Nice to have a stress-free win for the first time in three months. My God, how did the Raiders lose to Baker? I also get warm holiday feelings seeing the rookies like Watson, Dobbs, Tom, Walker, Kingsley, and even Wyatt all make multiple great plays. 
You know, yeah, Justin, thank you for the question, comment. Yeah, yeah, it really was kind of stress-free, wasn't it? I mean, did you ever really think they'd lose? I mean, I was like, like even the moments, you know, talking about them not cashing in on the return and the interception and the pick, the Rodgers pick and all that. Those didn't piss me off so much in the sense of like, oh God, they might lose the game. Because I never actually thought they'd lose. Just because the Rams are so depleted. Like, McVay's a great coach. And they've got, they still have some talent on the field. So I knew he'd come in and they weren't just going to roll over. But in the end, I was like, you know, I was telling my wife this uh, earlier before the game. I said, I just think the Packers have too much talent. And that's, you know, ultimately what won out. So yeah, it was basically stress-free, wasn't it? Um, How did the Raiders lose to Baker? Well, they didn't really throw to Devontae, did they? Didn't they only throw to Devontae like three times in that game or four times? Their usage of him is very strange, to say the least. Um, But yeah, more love for the rookies. I agree. It's just, you know, it's been a tough year. But when you watch these guys play, you go like, there's real hope for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you, Justin. Our next one comes from Lucky at the Madisonian. Lucky writes, Welp, any win in this league is a good one, and it definitely doesn't need to be pretty. 12 looked a lot more comfortable in this cold than against the Niners in January, although the Rams' defense might also play a factor in that. Keep playing the rookies, and go Pack Go. Um, yeah, it wasn't pretty at times. Yeah, it was funny how I'm like, well, I was never in, it was never in doubt in my mind. But yeah, it also wasn't pretty at times either. As I've touched on throughout the show. Uh, yeah, I thought Rodgers looked more comfortable. I think he's looking, he just feels like he's, he's starting to gel with Dobbs and Watson, you know? There's still moments. They had that one hiccup right near the end on the final drive of the game where he tried to, would have been a touchdown to Watson, but Watson never looked back. There's those damn hand signals. <laughs> How have I made it this far into the show? I haven't talked, I'm not going to talk about the hand signals thing. Whatever, man. Whatever you think about it, whatever. Um... My take on the hand signals, I'll just say this. It's helped. It's obviously helped Rodgers pile up a lot of stats and help this team win a lot of games. So it's not all bad, obviously. But is it a little overly complicated, maybe, for the young guys? It kind of seems that way. So those are my thoughts on the hand signals. Um, Thank you. I think he's becoming more comfortable with with the young guys. And you can kind of see him trusting Dobbs more and trusting Watson more. And again, I talk about it being a change of the guard. It's because of how they play, but it's also because of how Rodgers is trusting them now. He's trusting them to be the top two guys. So his trust is as big a part in the changing of the guard as their play at wide receiver. So yeah, I agree. He's looking more comfortable. Um, And yeah. Yeah, more talk about the rookies. Yep, just keep playing them. Keep playing them. Keep playing them. More snaps, more experience, more. Absolutely. Our last one comes from Brian McDonald AP at Brian Mac underscore AP. Brian writes, It's hard cheering for a team that's bad, but also stupid, eh? Talking about Douglas's lateral. Um, oop, burp, gotta keep it real. Well, you could you could say that about uh, Douglas's lateral and also Ford's hit out of bounds. Which this blew me away. When uh, they said on the broadcast, this was the sixth unnecessary roughness call on Green Bay this year, which ties them for the league lead. Very, very undisciplined. That's been a big part of their problem this year. In a lot of areas. And that that undisciplined nature has kind of filtered into a lot of areas of the team. Specifically the defense. So that was dumb. And yeah, Douglas' lateral, I don't know what that was. After what we saw yesterday, on Sunday, with the Raiders-Pats finish... 
No laterals. No risk. If, if there's even a modicum of risk, don't do it. Just go down. I don't know what Douglas was doing there. I don't think anybody knew. Let alone his teammates. Least of all his teammates. So, yeah, I agree with you. They definitely, there's, that's been a, a big part of their struggles this year. It's just kind of undisciplined, dumb play. And there were certainly more of that in this one, although they did win. Okay, so those are the Twitter questions. Let's go to the emails. I think I only have one email. I do. Only one email. Huh. That's late. Um, this one comes from Kyle Terpenning, who refuses to get Twitter. Kyle, God bless. Twitter is... I don't know how much longer I want to be on there. I kind of... I, I, you know, you guys know I hate... I kind of hate it. But I kind of hate it more than ever now. I'm reaching my breaking point with Twitter. I'll say that. Um, Kyle writes... Good night for me so far. Packers are winning, and I'm about to win my seventh in a row to take the number one spot in my fantasy football league. I just needed I just needed four points from Rodgers. I hate these early morning shifts since I can't watch the game much. Why I'm still awake now is a puzzle in and of itself. About the game, I wish I could say that so far we look great, but it is, after all, against a terrible team, a terrible and beat-up Rams team. I can't say I really hope we keep this Nixon kid. I also despise this defense and the joke of a coordinator. On the downside, I swear the Vikings have a hor- have that horseshoe so far up their asses it's in their throats. It really has me worried. Well, everyone, I hope you all have a Merry Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. And I hope I wake up to a Packers win. Go Pack Go. Well, Kyle, I got good news for you, buddy. You're going to wake up to a Packers win. They got the job done. As for your comment, um, well, congratulations on your fantasy football league. I quit fantasy, what was it, three years ago? Three or four years, two, three years, four, three, four years ago. I don't know. Somewhere in the last few years, I quit. Here's the thing, for me, and I'm not, I'm not. Look, if you like, if you like playing fantasy, God bless you. More power to you. For me, I quit because it, it started to feel kind of unnatural to me. You know, like a friend of mine said this once. <laughs> a friend of mine goes, because he quit before me. He goes, it felt weird watching like a Seahawks Steelers game in the late. Uh, the late afternoon window, and like it's a good game, but yet you're pissed because the Seahawks' number four wide receiver only caught three balls for 36 yards, and you needed him to catch four balls for 50 yards, or whatever. Like he's like it just kind of felt like an unnatural sporting experience <laughs> watching a game that way, and I was like, man, yeah, maybe you're right. And then I quit. And now watching football, that's the way I feel. I'm like, I feel like it's more natural watching football without playing fantasy. That's just me, though. Like, I'm not poo-pooing it. If you like playing fantasy, you should play knock yourself out. That's just for me. But congratulations to you, Kyle. Um, I just want to make that point about fantasy football, because when else would I make that on the show? Uh, I'm not a big fan of the night games either. <laughs> I'm going to be very tired at work tomorrow. It's already 1230 in the morning, so I hear you on that. Um... I, yeah, you know, and Nixon, I think they're going to. I think they're going to lock him up. They've got to get something done. Because a returner, that dynamic, if he hit, I mean, that can shift a game. A big game. If he hits the market, the Packers won't be able to afford him. Guarantee you that with their limited cap space. So I have a feeling they're going to get him locked up because they need to. Um, <laughs> defense, they played well tonight. You know, again, it was against a gimpy kind of, you know, battered, bruised opponent, but they've played well, but I know I, I don't feel great about their chances against, you know, 
Miami next week, and then Minnesota the week after. Um, the Vikings, yeah, let's talk. Okay, I didn't want to talk. Let's talk about the Vikings. They are, you know, I've said for a while now that the horseshoe is up their ass. It's funny that you said because, as you know, I've been saying that on the show, too. Um, certainly been saying it on Twitter. It... I was Christmas shopping Saturday with my wife and kids, and I got to the mall, and it was 33 nothing, and I was like, <laughs> And literally, by the time I left the mall, the Vikings had won. To me, I know a lot of people have made this comp, and I, I think they're kind of like the 2019 Packers. First-year head coach, like, sort of an overall rejuvenated feel for the team. They're getting a lot of, like, close wins. They're on this kind of magic carpet ride that the Packers were three years ago. And I feel like their carpet ride's going to come to a crashing halt. It's going to come to a crashing end, just like the Packers ride did in the NFC Championship game against San Francisco. I don't know if Minnesota will even make it that far, but whenever they lose in the playoffs, I have a feeling it's going to be t- it's going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to end in harsh fashion for them because luck runs out, you know, for everybody, for every team. Can't rely on that. Uh, and thank you for your holiday wish. I appreciate that, Kyle. So thank you for that. So those are the only, that was the only email I had. Uh, other Kyle, I now, I now have not heard from you. You commented on my first Instagram post. But other Kyle, you have not written in in like a few weeks and I'm getting nervous. Reach out to me somehow. I just want to know you're okay. Like Kyle, you guys are like a huge part of the show. All right. So those are the, that's the email. Hold on a second here. Let's go to Facebook. I do have, hold on, i got a couple of Facebook messages here. What the hell? Here we go. Okay. Our first one comes from Sean LaFond, who messaged me on Facebook. You can message me on the Old Bag of Donuts account on Facebook. Uh, he writes, David Bakhtiari is the Kawhi Leonard of the NFL. <laughs> I don't... Okay, so I read this. I don't know what you... Do you mean just like... That his knee is always holding him back. Yeah, but his knee... But but see, Kawhi's knee is getting better. He's playing, and Bakhtiari's knee seemed to be getting better, too. And then, he has, and then his appendix burst. Just a cursed season for Bakhtiari. <laughs> the bad luck continues for him. Um, but I guess I see some comparisons, yeah. Two guys who who have had off and on knee issues, yeah. I see some similarities there. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get, get what you're driving at. Our next one comes from... Okay, I'm going to read this. Now, this came last night, but this is from my friend Daniel in Vancouver who wrote in. Uh, he touched, He talked about, um, he wanted to talk about how everyone became a Packer fan. He now, Daniel had reached out to me over the bye week. I apologize I didn't get back to you, Daniel. That's my bad on that. I was very busy. Um, I've been really busy lately overall. But uh, he touched on that. And he want, If I was going to do the show over the bye week, which of course I didn't do because I wanted to take a break. I didn't end up doing one. But he talked about everyone became a Packer fan, so he wrote in last night and said, hey, I want to catch up on my last message, so here's my take on how I became a Packers fan. So I basically had a connection to Vancouver all my life, family, but I moved here only three years ago. Originally, I'm from Germany, and I grew up with the NFL Europe. I've been to a bunch of Frankfurt Galaxy games, and I loved it. The funny thing is, I don't know when, how, or why I became a fan of the Green Bay Packers, but as far as I remember, I always cheered, on, I always cheered them on. It must have happened somewhere around the Favre to Rogers transition, but I really don't remember. 
Well, that's okay, Daniel, if you don't really remember. That's cool. NFL Europe. Man, those teams had Frankfurt. Didn't Amsterdam have a team? I remember the NFL Europe thing was, like, big in, like, was it the early 90s? Especially when I was growing up. It was, like, a cool thing for, like, a minute. Yeah, definitely remember that. I think Kurt Warner played over there. Didn't he play for Frankfurt? Or did he play for Amsterdam? But that's cool, the NFL Europe stuff. That's great. Um, somewhere around the farm to Rogers transition. For me, it was Don Mikowski. That's always been my guy. That was when I first became a fan. Because it's in my family. I talked to this on the show from my dad, from my, my grandpa to my dad to my brother and me. Um, I started watching late in the 89 season. So Don Mikowski's, that's Don Mikowski will always be my guy. Right, which is funny because people would say, oh, are you a Rogers guy or a Favre guy? And I'd probably say I'm a Mikowski guy because that was my first guy. You know, I had a Don Mikowski shirt when I was a little kid. I think I had a Mikowski poster. Like, dude, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's great. And if anybody else wants to write in on how you became a fan, let me know. I'll read that on the show, too. So that's, okay, so that's Facebook. Make sure I got everything here. That's Facebook. Um, Yep, that's, okay, so we got Twitter. Email, Facebook, DMs. Yeah, okay, so we got one more. And it comes from my other former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host, one of my other bestest friends in the world, Gene Bossling. Gene, I always give you the hammer. No exception this time. I don't know that I've ever been this unsure of how to feel about a Packers team. On one hand, if they get all the help they need, which still feels like a lot to ask, it wouldn't be hard to imagine them going into Minnesota and winning in the first round. The defense played better tonight. They've got a legit kick returner for the first time in years, and they're figuring out ways to work around their deficiencies with the receivers. On the other, where would this even be going? They win at Minnesota, they go to Philly, and I suppose they, I suppose would have a reason to think they can win there based on how they played in the regular season. Then, if it's Dallas, I think they could win there, but I don't love San Francisco as a matchup. I also don't think there's enough consistency with this group to expect that to happen for the next seven weeks. And this continues to delay the Love debut, which I don't think is good for anybody. I could see Rodgers talking himself into returning, especially because of the money. But I, I could also see him looking at the cat mess and trying to wrangle his way out. So I don't know how to feel about, I don't know how to feel about whether any of this is worth it. On a side note, I'm watching Scott Van Pelt right now and listening to Buck and Aikman talk about how much they love Lambeau. Troy managed to slip in there, quote, I didn't play here much. Most of our games against him were in Dallas, end quote. Yes, Troy, because you play for an owner who basically buys his way into whatever he wants from the league. Screw you, screw Michael Irvin, and especially screw Eric Williams. Bonus addendum to the Gene Pod question. Actually, now that I think about it, there's a 2010-ask FU tour through the playoffs available to them. Minnesota, Philly, and either San, either Dallas or San Francisco. I might have just talked myself into getting on board with this thing. Gene, you always come in... At least 94, 95 on the gun. This is high 90s, I would say. This is right around 100, depending if it's a home gun or a away gun. You bring in the heat. Okay, so let's let's get into this. You're right. If they were to somehow win out and end up as the 7 seed, here's my thing, though. So if they end up as the 7 seed... I feel like I still think it's more likely that they end up in San Francisco. Now, if they got the seven and they go to Minnesota, they absolutely could win that game. No question about it. If they get the seven and they have to go... San Francisco, to me, is the worst matchup for them. Even with Purdy at quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, you know, you're talking Kittle and Ayuk 
and McCaffrey and Debo will be back at some point. I just go like, ugh. I don't think the Packers can defend all those options and get after the quarterback and, you know what I mean, and everything else. And and that defense is really good, too. So a first-round matchup against San Francisco, I think, would be a quick and very painful death. <laughs> Minnesota, now, I think they could win that. If they were to sneak into the playoffs, yes, they could beat Minnesota. And the scenario you talked about isn't that far-fetched. You get into Minnesota, you go to Philly, now Hurts has the shoulder injury. How healthy is he going to be even in a month from now? Or five weeks from now, or whatever that matchup would be. Could they win that? I mean, it's not impossible. You know, did anybody think they were going to go to Atlanta and win in 2010 in the, in the 2011 playoffs? No. They went in and, and, you know, curb stomped the Falcons. So, it's not impossible to, to, to see them going in and beating Philly. Again, because as you said, based on how they played them a few weeks ago. A couple plays here or there, maybe they win that game. Um... And then Dallas, I'm, I'm looking at it from the positive, yeah. And then Dallas, if Dallas was the NFC Championship game, even in Dallas, do you think Rodgers loses to Mike Mack? No way. So, I, I guess it's not totally impossible, I suppose, to see a scenario where they do it. It's extremely unlikely, but I see what you're getting at. Sure. Um, but if they play San Francisco at any point in the playoffs, it's over. So, yeah, there is that, too, at least to me. And you're right. I mean, it does delay the love thing, which is bad. You know, I said a few weeks ago what I think is going to happen, what I still think is ultimately going to happen is that they're going to lose on Sunday to Miami, and that will officially eliminate them from the playoffs. Because if they lost tonight, their their odds were down to, what, like 0.8% according to ESPN. So I feel like if they lose Sunday, it's I mean, it's over. If they lose, my, I still feel like they're if they they're going to lose Sunday, and we're going to get love for the last two starts of the year. So it delays it, and I understand what you're saying. That's not good for anybody. I do think we're going to get some look at Jordan Love, not the look I think we would need to to you know gain any real kind of opinion on where he's at. I don't know how much you learn in two games even. I think to get an opinion on Love, you've got to see him play three, four, five games in a row. I don't know if two games will really tell you much. It might, but it might not. Um, but it does delay it. You're right. And the thing with Rodgers, this is the tricky thing, is, you know, no one knows what he's going to do. And I don't know what if Rodgers knows. You know, last off season he said, oh, I'm, it's not going to take me that long. And, you know, it was early March before I think, right before we found out what he was doing. Hopefully, my big hope is that Rodgers doesn't keep them waiting one way or the other. What he's going to do. Whether he wants to retire, whether he wants to stay in Green Bay, or if he wants to trade. Just decide quick. That's all I know on that. But um, I, I see what you're saying, that this is all kind of good, but it all could be kind of bad, too. I, I definitely get what you're driving at. Um, and yeah, fuck the Cowboys. Just fuck, fuck those 90s Cowboys so hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talked about this after the Dallas game when I did the pod in the hotel bathroom. I told the Eric Williams story about my brother meeting Yurko and how he still hates Eric Williams. Yeah, Aikman and Irvin. You knew Aikman was going to get that dig in there. He he can talk all he wants about being at Lambeau. He really does not like the Packers franchise. I'm convinced of that for whatever reason. I don't know why. He basically owned them when he played. It's weird to me that he, he has this kind of weird grudge towards them, but he sure seems to. Uh, and as for you talking yourself into it, I mean, you're right. There, That would be the FU tour. Minnesota, Philly, and then 
they beat Dallas, but it would be an FU to Mike, and then San Francisco would be the ultimate FU. For they've owned Green Bay in the playoffs last, well, forever now. So that would be the ultimate. That would be one of the. It wouldn't top 2010, but it would be up there on all-time FU tours to beat Minnesota, Philadelphia, and then San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't know if it's enough to talk me into getting on board with it, but I see what you're saying. Yeah. So great stuff, Gene. You always bring it. You always bring it. Thank you. That was awesome. Um, so those are all the questions, right? Twitter, email, Facebook. Got the DMs. Got the Gene question. Good to go. Okay, so those are all the questions and comments I had. Kind of a lighter night on that front. Got some good stuff, though. Always good stuff from everybody who sent something in. Um, thank you. And, you know, it's late. I get it. Why more people didn't send it. And for the people who did, I really appreciate it. Because a game like that gets over, you just want to go to bed. But you all took the time to send me something. That's awesome. You guys rock. And since it's late, yeah, I don't have a big picture for you guys tonight. I'm sorry. Just didn't have enough time for that. So instead... I'd like to wish you and yours a happy holidays, whatever you choose to celebrate. And if you celebrate nothing, hey, I hope you enjoy the shit out of that too. I'm sure there's some people who don't celebrate anything. And for those people, I hope you have a great time celebrating nothing. Whatever you celebrate or don't, rock on. It's all good here. So yeah, that just about wraps up this episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. Uh, I hope you all had as much fun listening as I did recording. It's always fun after a win, especially after two in a row. And to paraphrase the great Lou Brown, if we win again next week, it's called a winning streak. And speaking of next week, we look ahead now to that. The Packers will be back in action on Sunday, Christmas Day, as they head to Miami to take on the Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium. That one is set for a noon Lambeau time kickoff on Fox. The Finns scorching hot at one point at 8-3 and three, have now lost three in a row albeit all too good to very good teams, San Francisco, the L.A. Chargers, and then the Buffalo Bills in the snow on Saturday night. They've obviously got the high-powered offense, right? Tua at quarterback, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell at receiver. Both of them can fly. And then Raheem Mostert at running back. God, just saying that name makes me sick. After he ran for about 6,000 yards and 42 touchdowns against Green Bay in that NFC Championship game in San Francisco back in... Um, well, 2020, but it was the 2019 season. You remember, I'm sure. I don't need to explain it to you. And while their defense isn't great overall, it's actually surprisingly stout at home. So, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for the Packers. A major, major challenge. This is the big one to me, right? Because at this point, I, I really, I'm not even, the playoffs don't really seem that possible to me. But if they win this, if they go into Miami and win, okay, Maybe the playoffs are possible. In fact, I'd say they're even probable. But I don't feel great about their chances, I'll just say that. I'm worried about Miami's offensive speed. Not sure the Packers can keep up. I think the, I think the offense should be okay. They got a good defense, especially at home, but I think the, the offense will be all right. <laughs> the offense will be all right. But I worry about the defense getting enough stops. I hope I'm wrong. Let's pray for a Christmas miracle, shall we? And, of course, I'll be back to recap that one, win, lose, or draw, next Monday. Okay, so the plan as of now, I should explain, because I'm not going to do a show on Christmas. I'll just be too busy. Um, the plan is to record next Monday afternoon. So there's a chance you'll hear it Monday night. But if not, it will definitely be available next Tuesday morning. I can assure you of that. So keep your eyes and your ears open for that one. And, yes, I'll keep you posted. So until next time, 
whenever that may be. I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you. I love you. I love you. Please stay safe out there this holiday season. And remember, always and forever, ho, 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 and go back, go.